Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us as Pastor Tim continues his message from Amos chapter 5, verse 24, entitled, The Supreme Court's Role in Justice for America. Justice must flow freely for the structure of American society to thrive. And we can learn a lot about how God deals with a nation marked by injustice, by how he dealt with Israel. This proverb that God shares through his prophet Amos sheds great light on that relationship. Here's Pastor Tim. So let's make these observances from our verse. Let me give you three of them tonight. Number one, this verse tells me that justice should not be restricted. It should not be restricted. Amos says, let justice run. Let it run. It tells me then that justice is something that the citizens have to allow. But it's also something that we can disallow. How do you disallow justice? How do you empower injustice? Well, the way is to dam up the flow. You dam up the flow of justice as it tries to rush down or to run down like this mighty river. Some of the biggest obstacles that you can use to dam up that river are past decisions that make precedent. Just like those from the 1960s and 1980 that I mentioned to you a while ago. I mean, listen, if you take away prayer from school, and if you take away Bible reading from school, and if you take away the Ten Commandments from school, shouldn't we expect biblical morality to suffer in the next generation? Why, why did we have such an upheaval of, of American culture in the early 70s? Because 10 years prior, we're beginning to take God out of everything and trying to create a secular society. But if there's a direct connection or correlation at least between the spiritual life and the civic life, if you dry up the spiritual life, then you should expect the civic life to dry up. There's going to be something that happens as a direct result. I mean, you know the reasoning that they gave uh, in 1980 about taking down the Ten Commandments off of the walls of the school. What they said was, if the Ten Commandments are posted on the wall, then a student may be inclined to look at it. And if a student looks at it, then he may be inclined to read it. And if a student reads the Ten Commandments, he may be influenced by it. So if we have to rip down off the wall words like don't kill and don't steal, then why are we surprised that murder rates and thievery goes up? There is a direct correlation between the spiritual and the civic life of a nation. And the courts have a lot, a lot to do with that. Our verse Tonight is settled right in the midst of God saying that he will no longer receive the people's worship. Why? Because injustice is reigning. Injustice civilly impedes our worship spiritually. A government that keeps people from prayer 
cannot expect God's blessing. Let me show it to you. You're in verse 24, but back up a little bit. Let's go back to verse number 10. Verse number 10, Amos says, They, that's the citizens of Israel, they hate the one who rebukes in the gate, and they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from him, Though you have built houses of hewn stone, yet you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. What's he saying? He's saying because you in your courts have allowed injustice to prevail, especially over the poor, then you may have great prosperity, you may build fancy houses, you may have great industry, but I am not going to allow you to to enjoy those things. The greatest day of technology that the world has ever seen. Can you imagine if God allowed His blessings to flow through that? Instead, the people who speak up, the people who speak uprightly, it says, the ones who rebuke in the gate. In other words, the ones who stand and say, our courts are missing the point. Our courts are ruling with injustice. What is their reception within society? (laughs) He says, they will abhor you. They They will hate you for that. That's where we are, aren't we? Christians have to speak out on matters of injustice. And we should be Ready, we should expect to be rebuked and to be hated by society. Did you hear about the five Tampa Bay Rays players who for the month of June refused to wear the rainbow on their uniforms? The one that was chosen to be their spokesman was so gentle in his response. And basically he just said, this is a faith decision for us. (laughs) Tolerance only goes so far. Doesn't matter that it was their faith decision. Suddenly they were bigots and hated for it. They have and they will continue to pay the price for that decision. When the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs versus Mississippi case was announced, that's the one that ended this 50-year reign of Roe versus Wade. The Supreme Court and everyone who supported that decision was rebuked and abhorred and, hang, and, and hated. Angry, violent protest just erupted, didn't it? In the sports world, in the entertainment world, anybody that had a platform began to speak out on those things. Can you imagine so many people being so upset that babies are going to live? And yet that's where we are. I was so disappointed to see in my own Facebook feed someone that I know and love 
post the comment that this isn't the end of abortions. It's just the end of safe abortions. I would ask, safe for who? In every abortion, at least one person dies. What, what other, we want to call it a medical procedure, a matter of health care. What health care has a mortality rate of 50% and is still applauded? I suppose that should be expected though, right? That's what God says right here in his word. We're not of this world. We might be in it. We're here for evangelism. We're here for missions. We're not of it. We do have work to do. We can't just be the ones who applaud the overturn of Roe versus Wade and still not take care of those babies and take care of those ladies. We still have to minister to them. There are going to be some... I even heard about one today who wants to go through that so bad not knowing the hurt that it's going to bring for years and for years and for years. Some of you that have been around long enough, you already know. The woman who was referred to as Roe, it was not her real name, became a believer and regretted what she had done to lead us to that point. Alexander McLaren was a Scottish Baptist preacher at the turn of the century. Listen to what he said. In the measure in which you and I are Christians, we are in direct opposition to all the maxims which rule the world and make it a world. What we believe to be precious, it regards as of no account. What we believe to be fundamental truth, it passes by as of little importance. Much which we feel to be wrong, it regards as good. Our jewels are its tinsel, and its jewels are our tinsel. We and it stand in diametrical opposition in thought about God, about self, about duty, about life, about death, about the future. And that opposition goes right down to the bottom of things. He's right, isn't he? Satan is the God of this world, the God of this age, the prince of the power of the air. We should expect society to be in opposition to where we are. And we should expect believers to be in opposition to the world that is guided by him. So number one, justice. Justice should not be restricted. But number two, justice does reverberate. Go back to your verse there, Amos chapter 5 and verse 24. God says, but let justice run down like water. Water runs down, doesn't it? You ever had a little tiny hole somewhere in your roof? You know, it runs down and it runs places you never imagined that it would go. So does justice. 
In this case that, that we're talking about now, it begins with nine Supreme Court justices draped in robes in Washington, D.C., but it flows down to every household in America. So it begins in the halls of justice, but it ends up in the homes of Americans. What they decide become law for us. So it has an impact on us. You're in verse 24, look back to verse number 16. Therefore... The Lord God of hosts, the Lord says this, There shall be wailing in all streets, and they shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas, they shall call the farmer to mourning and skillful lamenters to wailing. Those decisions have impact. Injustice has impact both civilly and spiritually. It has, it has impact in all the streets, in all the highways, from the farmer to the professional. It has impact on them. So justice and injustice both reverberate as they flow down in society. That's why justice becomes even more important it's not just important for you and I to act justly, but for our nation and for our courts to decide things with God's justice. No wonder the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. There's a direct correlation between civic life and spiritual life. Because of this principle... I'm going to say this just as my opinion at this point. I think the 2016 election was one of the most crucial elections we have ever had. We would not be where we are today if it weren't for that 2016 election. For example, during those debates, one candidate <clears throat> promised that he would put conservative pro-life justices on the Supreme Court. And he followed through with his promise. And it's why that Dobbs versus Mississippi case went the way that it did. The other candidate, the very same time, in her very last debate, said this, quote, We need a Supreme Court that will stand up on behalf of women's rights, on behalf of the rights of the LGBT community. No. No, not that, not that you want to say, you know, don't give justice to women. Don't give justice to those in the LBG or GBT. I can't even get them straight. Don't give them, don't give them justice. No, that's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is everybody deserves justice. He says, let the justice flow so that whether it's the rich person or whether it's the poor person, whether it's the man or the woman, whether it's the heterosexual or the homosexual, they get biblical justice. Number three. Let me just go to that. I need you to know tonight from this verse that justice is refreshing. It's refreshing. <clears throat> There's no wonder that he uses the analogy 
of flowing water. Look at this, look at this parallel statement. He says, he says, first let justice run down like water. And then he says, and let righteousness run down like a mighty stream. Justice and righteousness run on parallel tracks, but they all come from the throne. They all come from the Scriptures. Biblical justice has to come from the Scriptures. Biblical righteousness has to come from the Scriptures. It cannot come from any other place. It cannot even come from our Constitution. It comes from our Constitution because the Constitution has its basis in the Scriptures. God's desire, he says, is to see righteousness run like a mighty stream. To run, like we said, unimpeded. And to run down towards every citizen. This word that he uses here in verse number 24, the mighty stream. (coughs) He's picturing for us what we call a wadi. You know what I'm talking about, right? W-A-D-I. A wadi is basically a ditch that serves as a strong stream during that rainy season. But when it's not rainy season, it's just dry as a bone. In our trip up the California coastline, we saw a lot of these dusty, dry waterbeds. But in a few months... And those beds are going to be full of life-giving water. It's refreshing when water flows freely where it once was dry. Proverbs 25 and verse 25 says, As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from your own country. If our courts would simply seek the mind of God and trust His revelation in the Scriptures in a way that our founding fathers did, they would find wisdom that goes beyond mere experience. They might even find the kind of wisdom that Solomon finds when he asks God simply for wisdom. You notice what happens. There's a recurring theme in Amos chapter 5. Look at verse number 4. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel. Look at this first line. Seek me and live. Look at the very next verse in verse number 5. He says, I'm sorry, in verse number 6. Verse number 6 begins, seek the Lord and live. Look at it down to verse number 14. Seek Good and not evil. Why? That you may live. If we're promised the pursuit of life, that's first, isn't it? Of life and of liberty and even of justice. Doesn't it then start here? By seeking God and finding life? By seeking good and finding life? Were God to bring a revival to America, 
Were we to seek the Lord and His will, were we to seek that which is good and refrain from that which is evil, we would find a fuller life than we ever thought possible. Talk about something refreshing. Why do we continue to pray 2 Chronicles 7.14? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Because it's a promise. Should we do that as his people, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Why do we keep praying that? Because God is the only one that can do that. We recognize our sin of injustice. We recognize the blood stain that's on our nation. We ask God for cleansing and for justice to be reflected both in the Supreme Court and every aspect of our great nation. Let's pray. I would ask you to pray, first of all, for our Supreme Court. I'm thankful that they are men and women of conviction and of backbone. That we've not succumbed to the pressures of the day or even to the other members of the court who see things very differently. We should pray for their protection. We should pray for their well-being. current president has had the opportunity to put one justice on the Supreme Court. I don't want to see him put any more on. I think that needs to be a matter of prayer for the church. And then I think we do need to pray about those within our society who genuinely are marginalized. Who don't receive an equal amount of justice. I agree that if it's not justice for all, then it's not justice for anybody. I think we need to pray for our nation. And finally, I think that we need to pray tonight for our churches. Though we've seen victories this week out of Washington, the answer for America is not in Washington. It's in church houses just like this one scattered all over the nation. Where God's people will turn to God's power And ask him to bring revival and spiritual awakening to this world. He can do it. We desperately need him to. If you want to pray right there at your seat, feel free to do that. If you want to gather in the altar and pray, I think it's appropriate. If Sage and I can help you, we want to. Father, 
I ask that you would hear the prayer of every person in this room, giving each one of them your undivided attention, bringing comfort where comfort is needed, bringing exhortation where exhortation is needed, even bringing correction where correction is needed. Father, use your word to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This year, at Brit David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.